Good morning. You know, I'd come in with the plan anyway. Yesterday was that I was hoping that I would be reporting here to you that the Vatican had issued a statement saying, don't be silly. None of this is true. That didn't happen. So we're going to go over the reactions to this because the, the news about Cardinal Burke and Francis, because the regular, normal Catholic and yes, secular media have begun reporting the news about Francis kicking Cardinal Burke out of Rome. Cardinal Burke hasn't issued a statement himself yet, um, as one of the many, many articles I've read on this in the last 24 hours basically has said, they expect Cardinal Burke to have a peaceful response. And it's worth noting that Cardinal Burke is still in, shrine, in charge of a shrine in, in uh, I believe, Wisconsin, and that he's got family there, so he'll probably be okay. So just bear that in mind as we go over this. So let's get right to the story that I think opened the floodgates of confirmation on this, which is from the pillar. It says, Burke and the Pope, a miraculous medal and the news. Now, the story was reported and very quickly. Other Catholic and secular media outlets followed suit. The pillar is almost like they gave permission to do that, although most of the other reporting I've seen involves an Associated Press story. And the Associated Press are the gold standard, it seems like, of what is considered verifiable, trustworthy news. The relevant part from the Pillar article is this, though, quote, a lot of Catholics are talking this week about a report that began on an Italian news site just a day or two ago and has since taken on a life of its own, including a report by the Associated Press this morning, which says it has confirmed the story. The report is that Pope Francis has, quote, punished, as the AP put it, Cardinal Raymond Burke by cutting off his Vatican salary and pulling his subsidized Vatican apartment. According to the AP, the Pope told Vatican officials last week that he was doing that because Burke is a source of disunity in the church. Moments before I, this would be J.D. Flynn, pressed send on this newsletter, the pillar confirmed several elements of the story. The pillar has confirmed that there was a Vatican meeting last week at which Pope Francis discussed a punitive measure pertaining to Cardinal Burke's stipend and apartment, mentioning specifically that Cardinal Burke has been a source of, quote, disunity in the church. It was not clear to our sources close to the situation whether the measure would include both apartment and stipend, but since the stipend goes to cardinals living in Rome, if Burke loses the apartment and leaves Rome, he also loses the stipend. The pillar has also confirmed that Burke has not been informed directly of the decision. Burke, I suspect, will take it rather quietly. The cardinal is an outspoken critic of Pope Francis and has generated a fair amount of controversy for his co approach. While he speaks out vociferously on ecclesiastical issues as he sees them, Burke does not have the temperament to speak out on a personal slight. In fact, I've been in his company several times in recent years, and I've not heard him speak ill of the Pope personally or of his decisions to remove Burke from the leadership positions he once held. Let's pause there. This isn't the first time Burke has been treated badly by Francis. He was he had a, a Roman Curia position, which was taken from him, and then he was sent to be the head of the Knights Order of Malta, the... the uh, patron of them and then that was taken from him and even that was symbolic anyway his because he found out about all sorts of bad things going on in there at the time the media was reporting it because he had no influence there so he's actually been essentially independent for a while and now he is the age of 75 which means he is strictly speaking retired except since he had no formal post anyway it looks like in any meaningful sense of the word no no uh, resignation letter needed to be submitted per canon law as it happens, I've seen Burke grow visibly uncomfortable in the presence of Catholics insulting Francis personally, rather than criticizing the pontiff's theological approach or leadership style. 
He has that kind of personal piety, in my observation, which makes the idea of denigrating the person of the Pope very uncomfortable. This is, again, back to that article. Even while he is absolute and sometimes strident in his criticism of Francis's approach to some issues, that seems a distinction which matters to him. At any rate, the Cardinal has the care of a shrine in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and a sister there, and I suspect he won't hurt for money if his Vatican stipend has been cut, end quote. So, again, Cardinal Burke made big news a few weeks ago when footage went viral online of him taking a question at a conference he was speaking at about the validity of Francis, and he reiterated once again that Francis is the Pope, and that he expects people to speak of Francis respectfully. We'll get to that more in a second. Now, in that article, Flynn... J.D. Flynn goes on to describe the effect he thinks this will have among the conclave cardinals, especially among the moderates, because it does look like we're going to head into a conclave fairly soon. But again, who knows, really? Um, Mr. Flynn thinks uh, this behavior by Francis will help swing the next conclave towards a more conservative pope. I don't share his optimism on that. I've spoken about that before. The short version of that here is simply this, that there have been organizational changes for how the conclave is governed including the ability of just cardinals to communicate with each other has been severely restricted. And all the key points of power in the Roman Curia are the kind of cardinals that you expect to be very pro-Francis. They all have every single grain of power. That doesn't guarantee anything. But then again, we had that story that I reported like a week or two ago about how they were going to change the conclave rules again, and this time allow laity to participate in the conclave behind closed doors, possibly even voting. Up to 25% of the conclave participants being laity. But who do you think is going to handpick those laity? Right? The Vatican very quickly came out and said, no, 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 no. That story's not true. And when they said that, the very next day, there was a closed door meeting between uh, with Cardinal Ghirlanda, who was the one surrounding that story, and Francis behind closed doors. So again... Don't take this. Um, they'll take that too seriously. <coughs> Pardon me. Okay, so that was that part of the story. So we're going to move on here to Raymond Arroyo. Well, actually, let's do Bishop Strickland first. <coughs> Pardon me again. He, is, he said, if this is accurate, it's an atrocity that must be stopped. If it is false information, it needs to be corrected immediately. That was his response to this. There have been a lot of such responses um, I have a uh, Raymond Arroyo also responded here and we're, which is weird because Raymond Arroyo didn't actually, hasn't actually done a news broadcast on this yet. He said, I had resisted posting early reports of the story because I thought they couldn't possibly be true. We have reached a new level of papal vindictiveness. Pope punishes leading critic Cardinal Burke in second action against conservative American prelates. This is second action in a, like, a, like a month. Okay. Second action in the month of November. I would, if you are a rare viewer of EWTN, either on their YouTube channel or on cable, this might be a night to tune in. I suspect Raymond Arroyo will have some things to say tonight on his show. So it might be a good time to turn into the papal posse. The, but that's not all the re reactions we're seeing this. Um, the, the AP is the source of a lot of this information, and it's the everything you just heard from the J.D. Flynn article is repeated there. Instead, we're going to go to some of the Pope splainers. I'd show some of these that were given on Twitter, but most of these reactions had to be sent to me by people in like screen caps because oh, lo and behold, most of these guys have me blocked. I had, um, so one of these is from Mike Lewis from where Paca Papa is, or I'm sorry, where Peter is, 
Ray says, better late than never. <sighs> Very charitable. He didn't report it on his site, though. I know I checked it just moments before going live. Instead, he put a Giving Tuesday fundraising post up, which is his prerogative. I won't criticize him for that. I think on Tuesday, by coincidence, I put up a Patreon pitch. Okay, so again, I'm not going to, you know, I won't critique anybody, any independent operator for, you know, taking advantage of Giving Tuesday. Austin Ivray, the official papal biographer, who also has me blocked on Twitter, said, quote, Pope to impose sanctions on Cardinal Raymond Burke, including removal of his Vatican privileges, monthly salary, big apartment, note the word big, following years of the Cardinal attacking, accusing, and undermining the authority of the Pope to whom he promised obedience. End quote. Very loaded statement there. But Austin Ivray is, like, ultimately ultra loyal to Francis, and I don't think it has much to do with him being the Roman pontiff, or allegedly so. But note in Austin Ivray's call there, statement, the call for ob obedience, terribly predictable. That has essentially been one of, the, one of the things that they respond to us with, is that we must be obedient to Francis. Obedience, obedience, obedience. All too predictable. And we now move on to probably the most interesting response I've seen from the Pope's planners, which is from the National Catholic Reporter. Now, they are a... Again, they have been told by bishops to stop calling themselves Catholic because they don't have the permission to do that. Church militants in the news a lot. Early in their days, they called themselves Real Catholic TV. The bishops asked them to stop calling themselves Catholic because they, as an official Catholic organization, because they didn't have the permission from the bishops to do so. And Mr. Voris submitted to their authority on it. The National Catholic Reporter has ultimately refused. Okay. So they have this story here again typical headline on these stories i've got here highlighted an interesting bit of information that i have not seen reported anywhere else that they got from their own independent verification of this in the vatican quote twice burke has joined other conservative cardinals in issuing formal questions to the pontiff known as dubia asking him to clarify questions of doctrine that upset conservatives and traditionalists note the framing there the cardinals then leaked the questions to the media after francis didn't immediately reply not sure leaked is the right word, but we'll go on. And on the eve of Francis's big meeting of bishops last month, known as a synod, Burke presided over a counter-synod of sorts, just steps away from St. Peter's Square. There, Burke delivered a stinging rebuke of Francis's vision of synodality, as well as his overall reform project of the church. It's unfortunately very clear that the invocation of the Holy Spirit by some has the aim of bringing forward a program that is more political and human than ecclesial and divine, Burke told the conference titled The Synodal Babble. Calls and emails to Burke and his secretary weren't immediately returned. The Vatican spokesman, Matteo Bruni, referred questions to Burke. I don't have anything particular to say about that, the Vatican secretary said. Now, this is the, again, that headline was mild, but it's worth noting something here, that this, that the, that this is all framed in obedience and that the National Catholic Reporter and the Pope's planning media the Francis media, the Bergoglio media have said the same thing over and over again. Just as it's about disunity, like Burke sowing disunity and being disloyal to the Holy Father. That's what they say. And so submitting dubia, which is not a novel thing in the history of the church, dubia are submitted by cardinals all the time over matters of doctrinal clarity. Francis famously has still not answered Amoris Laetitia's dubia. He just refused. That was novel when he did that. Submitting a dubia over the various synodality questions is, is not novel. 
And when they issued a response, it was the responses were very vague and ambiguous. And so Cardinal Burke issued another dubia along with the five cardinals asking for clarifications. These times the the questions asked in like so simple that a fifth grader could give you a yes or no answer. In fact, they actually say in that dubia, yes or no will suffice. Never got an answer to that. That is what sowing disunity and being disloyal is. And plus, Cardinal Burke giving his opinions, which are always very, 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 very measured about the synod of sin. That is what sowing disunity is. I, If I was Bishop Schneider, if I was Cardinal Mueller, if I was Cardinal Brand Mueller, Cardinal Seurat, or any of these others, Burke is technically retired. If I was any of them, I would be taking note, and I would not worry too much, but I would make a few phone calls and come up with a contingency plan in case the baleful eye of Sauron turns on them next. And so we net, I gave you the, uh, the response from, of course, Bishop Strickland. So I'm going to give you now Archbishop Vigano, who he, his response to this was limited to Twitter. And it says the Argentine Jesuit continues undaunted in his purge of his opponents, even the most moderate. Again, there's Vigano using some of the language that I got some pushback on when I described some of these, like Bishop Barron as a moderate. I actually would put Burke as a conservative leaning moderate, but still a moderate. That's Vigano using the term moderate there. Away goes the apartment and salary of a prince of the church in defiance of the most basic principles of justice and charity. But being persecuted by Bergoglio to, is a source of pride. It remains to be seen whether those subjected to these South American-like retaliations, as was rightly emphasized by La Busola Quotidiana, will have the strength and determination to say what really happened at the 2013 conclave. End quote. Now some will object to what Vigano says there on one simple ground. Vigano has taken a more, we'll say, I mean, he is because he I, I haven't seen him fully endorse the what we we'll call the interregnum hypothesis, the one of the, which is the it's a sort of an umbrella term for the Benedict either didn't resign appropriately or Francis was never capable of being pope in the first place. Family of theories. People misalign that with set of a contism when set of a contism is a pretty well-defined thing. OK, it's not the same thing. And Vigano is definitely aligning himself more and more with that position, although I haven't seen him fully endorse it yet, but that might change because here in about a week, there's a conference on that whole subject with Edward, with Dr. Mazza and, and Barnhart and a few others. And apparently Archbishop Vigano is going to be sending them a message of some kind. And I suspect he's going to be endorsing it. That's just my, uh, my suspicion that is Cardinal, but that was Archbishop Vigano hinting at that because he's now basically throwing the gauntlet down and asking people, Hey, are you going to address 2013 conclave question um and so ann barnhart responded also actually and i can't actually say what she said on twitter here it's a little too um it's a little too spicy but she said i'll summarize what she said she said that cardinal burke as she alleges played nice with francis the great and merciful and got the mercy treatment that he apparently wasn't expecting to receive she characterized francis as the lion and burke is playing nice hoping to not get devoured or be or have get the treatment last and that didn't happen. But the article I actually really want to focus on here a little bit more is something else. This is because there's a lot, there's this idea that people have that a Pope 
can just do whatever he wants. A canon law doesn't apply to him. And 1 Peter 5 has this article called The Pope Cannot Depose Bishops Without Grave Cause, written by Antonio Francis, PhD. Now, I'm going to ask a basic question. There are parts of canon law explicitly written to limit what the to limit and frame what a pope can do because he's the only one that those parts of canon law would possibly apply to like the deposing of a bishop or the deposing of a cardinal if canon law doesn't constrain a pope in some way then why would they have bothered to to spend the money and resources and the time to put together those sections of the code of canon law what would be the point okay so here's this article begins with by saying that Father Gerald Murray has ex excellently analyzed the canonical side of Bishop Strickland's removal. He has demonstrated that the guarantee of due process has been violated. Canon 196 and other related canons were masterfully explained. I myself published a different article that I wrote before having read Father Murray's analysis. I saw the issue from a different angle, but I find that now it is expedient to combine the two perspectives. The first point that I must that I think must be highlighted is that Canon 196, concerned with privation from office, is within a chapter of the code referred to provision of ecclesiastical offices in general. In addition to one Canon 196, one can read in the same chapter Canons 192 and 193 concerning removal from office. According to Canon 193, a person cannot be removed from office conferred for an indefinite period of time except for grave causes according to the manner of proceeding defined by law. When applying these canons to a bishop of a particular church, one must have in mind the particularities of this office. I'm going to show you, scroll back up here. That's Cardinal Burke there. Here's the thing. Cardinal Burke hasn't actually been deprived of an office. He is still a cardinal. I mean, he's been deprived from posts, but he's not, you know, the ordinary of a diocese, which is what this more likely is going to pertain to. He has been deprived of a salary that is basically a pension and an, and an apartment. I've seen some of the Pope's planners talking about, oh, you know, making fun of his appearance, you know, how he tends to wear the more traditional, like very traditional, like sometimes like late 19th, early 20th century attire of a cardinal and how his, his apartment is the size of several houses. And as such, hey, how many people, needy people could be housed there? Well, none will be because it's a, this is a apartment for a cardinal. Okay. They're not going to probably anyway, given the, who knows, given the way things are in Rome now, but they're probably not going to just toss, you know, put people in there. But the code of canon law, according to this article says a bishop of a particular church, according to the very code of canon law by divine institution, succeed to the place of the apostles through the Holy spirit who has been given to them. Moreover, bishops receive the function of sanctifying teaching and governing through Episcopal consecration itself. This means that although according to current canon human law, the bishops of the Latin church are appointed by the Pope, their authority derives from divine institution and is received directly from God, not the Pope. Now, this is a question that was clearly, these articles were written initially in response to what the treatment of Bishop Strickland. Again, his, his rights to process were violated. But now they're, these are getting more steam because of the treatment of Cardinal Burke. And I think this actually is something to put people on notice for, for when the next one happens. Because there's a list of cardinals who have been, and bishops, who have been very vocal in their resistance to Francis, possibly the most vocal aside from Archbishop Vigano, who has technically no office in the church, aside from, of course, his Episcopal consecration, is Bishop Athanasius Schneider, for one. He might be, I think, the most vulnerable now, but also Cardinal Mueller and a few others. So we will be seeing what's going on here. 
Now, Cardinal Mueller has very has practically tripped over himself to make sure everybody knows that he's not against Francis, but I don't think that matters because Colonel Burke was very clear that he's not against Francis also and has publicly defended the validity of his alleged office. This is what we're talking about here, though, is essentially a matter of authority. Does Francis have the authority to just unilaterally remove someone from their office? And I would maintain that no, he doesn't, because what would be the point of putting the code of canon law, these provisions that limit and guarantee bishops' rights against an act only possibly done by a pontiff? How could they? What would be the point of having those provisions? With Cardinal Burke, again, we're not talking about you know him being kicked out of the apostolic signatura or something, which happened to him already. We're talking about or him being kicked out of a diocese. We're talking about the loss of a salary and an apartment, which is something, the strictly speaking on paper, a power that a pontiff would have. Of course, that a lot of people's response to that is, Francis isn't really the Pope, so why does it matter? Well, one, Burke recognizes him as having the authority. Two, 99.9% of the bishops in the church recognize him as Pope. And three, all the enforcement mechanisms for such a decree recognize Francis as Pope. So for the sake of the argument, Francis is the Pope. I have some questions about his validity too, but they don't usually align with the thesis of Dr. Maza and a few others. But for all intents and purposes here, the power to push this is in the hands of someone who has the ability to make his will manifest. He has power. All right. Let me take a look here in the comments here. Daniel Burke says, I've been in Cardinal Burke's apartment several times. It is not the size of several houses by any stretch. I'm basing that off of the square footage that I saw one of the Pope's planners give on Twitter. 4,400 square feet, which is pretty big. I mean, it's bigger than my house. <laughs> bigger than most people's houses. Um, right. Uh, I'm very pro SSPX. I have been. It's my one point of contention with Cardinal Burke, really is the uh, his opinion on the Society of St. Pius X and Archbishop Lefebvre. But again, I there's some thinking that he will change his mind from this and then align himself with him. I doubt it, honestly. I think he's more likely to just keep doing what he's doing. That's what I expect. Um, Roseanne, he's not, actually. He has the right to participate in the papal conclave until uh, the age of 80. He's 75. The chances at his age of becoming pope are very small. I've seen the like Papa Billet indexes where people like scholars try to rank who is most likely to become based on their relative ranking. And he doesn't usually rank very high. And that's partially because of, you know, moderates don't tend typically like him that much. Um, but also just most of the time they're looking for somebody younger, but of course there's the elephant in the room. His name is Francis. who was, who is going to be entering his 11th year here shortly, and he's going to be turning 87 here in three weeks. Do you appreciate the kind words, Nelson? It is appreciated. This is your chance to get some questions into the comments now before I do, before I actually uh, do log off, because again, trying to preserve my voice, still recovering from that cold, hence the coughing that I had earlier, and I do apologize. All my sources today will be posted at returntotradition.org here with in the same show notes posting that will be going live with the new regular news video of the day. 
Daniel Burke, who has been in Cardinal Burke's apartment, says the, the house that he lives in includes offices, reception, place for the cannon to work, etc. This is what, I mean, that's one of the things these guys aren't going to tell you. They, oh, such a huge palatial estate. When Cardinal Burke has people, or maybe now had, employees who work under him. And that they all worked out of his office, out of his home, which is, I'm guessing his private residence part is basically a place to prepare meals, a place to sleep, and a place to bathe. And that's probably about it. The rest is related to work that he does. Thank you, Ledge. I appreciate you. Um, let me know, folks, if you have any further questions. We are going to wrap this up here. This is going to be an interesting day. I'm going to keep following things. There are other stories I was actually hoping to do streams on here. And maybe I'll finally get to cover one tomorrow. But we are going to stick at, like we have been with Bishop Strickland. I'm going to keep following the story and bringing it to you basically the morning after once we get some facts settling down. I don't like doing, you know, midday breaking news things because oftentimes the facts are still ambiguous and you don't know what's going on. And I really try to keep things above the board here. Why are none of the cardinals challenging Francis with these serious and many questions on the validity of his papacy? Um, because they, uh, I mean, when you look at, like, they all accept him, every single one of them. And and the thing about it is that some of their reasons are very are honestly questionable. Some of them say that it would cause more problems than it would be worth, which is astonishing. Except for, if, unless you remember one thing. The church is on the brink of schism. It is. And as soon as one of these bishops, a, a cardinal who has the ability who's influential enough, steps forward and says, hey, look, there are some very serious things going on here. We need answers. And they, they try to invoke, you know, uh, whatever it was Cardinal Burke called it, the, the imperfect council. I mean, as soon as they try that, that, that will launch a schism. That's why you don't see that happening. Didn't Cardinal Burke once say there is a reason to question the authenticity of, at one point? I think so, but he also said that uh, Francis is, he keeps repeating that Francis is authentically the pontiff. And I, I would sure he, I'm sure he would agree 100% with Bishop Schneider, who says that it was the universal acceptance by the laity has made that possible. Uh, the, a theological position that I think is debatable, but I will leave that debate to those who are more theologically minded than I am. Chat says we are already in a spiritual schism. There's two sides. There's at least two sides. We're already there. This is why I usually call it a de facto schism. All right, uh, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Daniel Burke, if you are the person that I, in the chat that Rosanna is referring to as a YouTuber with a, a channel, email me. All right. Because it might be worth a chat. Anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in. And you have a blessed day and keep praying for the church and for everybody involved in these stories. May God